Hello and welcome. This is Background Screening Tips and Tech with your hosts, Tim Santoni and Joe Berlin. Joe, thanks for joining me today. How are things in Ohio? Things are good, man. Um, I know you're out in California, so I think you guys are having a few events that are way more uh, high profile than, than here in Ohio. Yeah, unfortunately, the wildfires out here are ravaging things, so it kind of looks like Armageddon outside, but uh, hopefully the winds will stay low and the moisture will come and hopefully the firefighters will get that taken care of. So crazy times. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Joe and I wanted to talk a little bit about the National Criminal Database uh, product and or search, also referred to as a multi-jurisdictional search. Uh, and our goal here today is to just have an open discussion and hopefully illuminate uh, our audience and viewers, depending on if you're listening or watching. Thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, a little bit of background on the search, why it's useful, what, what are some issues with it, and, and so that there's an awareness around how it can be used effectively. Uh, within your organization, your business, your nonprofit, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think the National Criminal Database, just by the name of itself, can be a little bit misleading. Don't you think, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, really similar last week. You know, we talked about uh, uh, fingerprinting. And I think some of the misconceptions with the national kind of, they bleed over, right? I mean, it's it, it's definitely a confusing topic for some people. Um, I think the biggest one, uh, as you mentioned, right, is the name. It's a national criminal search. Um, and it goes by many names depending on the provider that you're using. But um, there really is no such thing as a national archive of criminal records. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and just so it's super clear, so what a national criminal database or, or search or national criminal record search, however, multi-jurisdictional search is, is it's a database-driven search. And it could be filtered by name, middle name, date of birth jurisdiction uh, is typically nationwide. And it's looking for repositories of data that county and state level uh, courts have uploaded into a database that allow for searching, filtering, and procurement. The frequency of those updates varies widely across the country. There's over 3,000 counties in the US that are, that are processing criminal records. Um, and there's no real, it's so difficult to determine at what frequency those counties or within those states, the, the, the frequency at which they're updating those records. Within that database, there's some also high level searches, um, sanctioned searches, government sanctions, watch list, the sex offender registries. Again, those are all contingent upon those local, state, and national agencies uploading records into the system that are procurable. And that means that they need to have identifiers like a full name, date of birth, address, potentially in some jurisdiction, a social security number, but not in many. Um, and then those are allowed for a background screening partner to research and provide information about the background of an individual in the course of kind of the basis or the basic building block for most employment, tenant, uh, you know, nonprofit, extended workforce background check product or, or, or service that someone's going to offer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you brought up uh, uh, an interesting point there, right? The, the frequency in which those records are updated. Uh, I think the other important thing to remember is there's there's no requirement that they have to update the information. So, for instance, I live in Summit County, Ohio. So if Summit County uh, reported their information to this third-party database this month, and let's say that database came around next month and said, hey, we need your records again, they don't have to. Right. They don't they can say, eh, you know what, it's not worth our time. We did it last month. We're not going to do it again. And so then you have information out there that's outdated um, and maybe a record was expunged or, or it was sealed. And it's not something you're supposed to be seeing. But because that court didn't update it with the database, 
you're seeing that information anyway, and it hasn't been updated accurately. Right, right. And, and to that point, so there's also some variability in terms of when those records were available and updated at one point for free. As the, and some courts transition into a paid model. So here in California, as an example, LA County, right? Up until the mid 90s, 2000s, the records were fairly easily available, right? But moving into the 2000s, they charged a, an access fee to research those records. So electronic scraping and uploading didn't exist because they were getting revenue, about $5 approximately per inquiry for those records in order to even conduct one search. So those old records will be in the repository, but in California, seven years criminal convictions, that doesn't help you much because it just shows you old records. In New York, we're up to $98 just to access the, the office of courts. Uh, it's, an, it's a statewide repository. You can search it county by county, but again, those records are not gonna be in the national criminal database or multi-jurisdictional database that we all refer to. So those are just a couple examples of why the records that you're maybe looking for will not be there. Uh, in certain situations, certain jurisdictions. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on something there, right? You called the national a couple of different names. And and I think I had mentioned this earlier, depending on the provider you're using, uh, it can go by a lot of different names, right? So you can get the the national, um, the national, you know, criminal database search, the national database search. The, uh, and, and the list goes on and on. There's a lot of companies utilizing a lot of different names. Uh, quite frankly, for the, for the same product or the same type of product. There's not many third parties out there that are offering a, a quote unquote national. Um, so, you know, you could be with one provider and if you're looking to make a change for any reason, it may have a different name, but it could very well be the same product. Um, but there's a lot of cases in which the national, I would say, is a good product, right? So, you know, one of my favorite analogies when I first started in the industry is that the national is like a fishing net right? You stand on the back of the boat, you throw it out there and you see what it catches. And it's really, really good for those purposes. Um, or even in the environment that we're in now with COVID, a lot of courts are closed. So running a national um, and running all those records, you may find something. It may, it may be beneficial for you to do that in this type of environment, followed up with the county once those county courts open. Yeah, and Joe, that's a great analogy. So the fishing net analogy is really important because one thing that I've left out is that the National Criminal Database usually does include arrest records in jurisdictions where they're available. An arrest record is an indication of a potential criminal action filed in the jurisdiction where the, where the person's lived or worked or potentially, um, you know, come up as a result of the record that came back on the arrest record will tell you which county to look in. So again, that tells you where to look and be more thorough in depth. And actually, we were on a call with a, with a data provider and they indicated that the arrests occurring outside the primary jurisdiction where the person you know, it has been over the last five to seven years are actually going up significantly. So if you limit your search and scope to the state or the jurisdiction county where the person's living, you could be missing out on that. So it does have its purposes. I think the most important thing to take a look at is from a compliance perspective in your, in your organization, from a risk perspective, are you meeting those requirements? And does the National Criminal Database meet those requirements? If it does, then great. It's an indicator. It's a, in certain jurisdictions, it works really well. Florida, Texas, um, some other states, but understand the limitations of those things so that you aren't caught off guard. And then if you need to dig a little bit deeper, understanding what kind of the next level of a comprehensive kind of Cadillac version background check would entail. If you want to see all the records that may be out there for your, your subject, your applicant, your tenant, your contractor. Absolutely. I think as a, as an employer too, it's important. And I've worked with a lot of companies, especially highly regulated companies, whether it's the mortgage industry, healthcare industry, uh, things of that nature. Um, if there's specific types of searches that you're looking for that you don't see 
necessarily on your partner's lists of provided services. It could very well be in the national because it's comprised of so many different sources, right? Ask your provider, talk to them, see if they will share with you certain parts of their source list that are included in the national. And maybe, maybe that search that you're looking for is in there. Um, you know, it's hard a lot, a lot of times for providers to, to give you um, an entire source list because like Tim said, it's jurist. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of jurisdictions. You're not going to want to sit there and, and flip through that. But maybe your provider can point to you uh, exactly where you need to be and what searches you're looking for and how that those services cover it within the national. Yeah. And Joe, that's a really, really good point. So I would say over the years in, in the background screening business that I've been involved for over 10 years, I would say that, that almost 99% of the time when an, when an employer comes to us and says, Hey, we just want to verify that this particular search or this database or this index is inclusive in the background checks we're running for our, on our employees. When we take a look at what that is and match it up, 99% of the time, that particular search is, is part of the national criminal database. You know, on our website, we have the source lists. They can be provided, like Joe's saying, it's thousands and thousands of, um, uh, you know, items long. The most important thing you need to take a look at, though, is when it was the last time it was updated. Because some of these things were created by the government and they haven't been updated in years and they mean nothing. Um, other ones are updated more regularly. So, again, it's not just that it's covered, but over what period of time and what frequency, because maybe it was covered in 2000, but it's not covered in 2010 because it migrated and it was called something else. Uh, the government's changing all these watch warrants, you know, national uh, lists that are out there, you know, as, as we look post 9-11 and things like that. So keep those things in mind. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. And if you're using, I mean, you can also ask your, you know, your partner when, when you're talking about the source list, I think another good option too is if you're in specific states, there's a lot of states that um, don't have a higher frequency of counties reporting to nationals. Other states will kind of, or counties, jurisdictions, they won't do it because uh, quite frankly, they can make money off of, of records requests, right? And so doing large data dumps like that doesn't provide or yield them the best um, monetary gain. So uh what you can do is just say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm in Ohio, I'm in California, I'm in Pennsylvania, wherever it is that you are. And just say, you know, what percentage of counties are included in your national, uh, in regards to that state. And, uh, you may be surprised. Um, maybe you're not getting a lot of counties, maybe you're getting a ton, but I, I think it's another good point to, to kind of think about as an end user. Yeah. To take that a step forward. So if the national criminal database is not very well updated, um, within the jurisdiction where you're at, there are some states where there are statewide searches that are available and understanding those and then looking to the county. So before we go, I think we should just kind of go over the pros and cons that we've outlined because it's kind of get complicated. So the pros of the National Criminal Database is it's fast, processed almost instantly in some situations. It's very cost effective. Um, it checks the box for a lot of compliance things. Um, it does include sex offender registry, wants and warrants, all watch lists, potentially arrest records. Um, so it's pretty robust in terms of the scope, in terms of, you know, geography wise, in terms of what it's looking at. And typically it's bundled with like an, a social security number trace an alias search. You're kind of getting a, all that bundled together in one fell swoop. So you understand identity aliases and this stuff. Um, you know, on the cons, I think that there are some holes and not knowing where those holes are is, is a big issue. Uh, number two, um, the data there needs to be verified. So we didn't touch on this, but just because a record comes up on the National Criminal Database, I was looking over some statistics in preparation for the show. The amount of data within the National Criminal Records is very 
thin. And so there's disposition and charge information that's often omitted, which means it's very difficult for a background screener or an employer who's doing a point and click background check to know if the record is reportable. So that's another issue that's there. Is there anything else that comes to mind from you, Joe, on the pros and cons? No, I mean, I think for me, and again, it goes back to that, that fishing net analogy is the biggest pro is that it fills the gaps, right? It fills the gaps of uh, maybe where your applicant has lived, work, or gone to school and, and may have a, a criminal record, right? Vacation criminals, things of that nature. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of the biggest pros. Awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in and for watching, depending where you're coming from. This is the third episode of the Background Screening Tips and Tech Podcast with Tim Santoni and Joe Berlin. If you have a topic that you want to have covered, please connect with us. We'll make sure we link up our information in the show notes, and we'll also provide our emails in the video version. You can listen to the podcast uh, via the Buzzsprout website. It will be uploaded to iTunes and all the other podcast hosting sites, or you can check us out on YouTube where all the podcasts are recorded and uploaded um, usually within the same week. So look forward to connecting with you all next week. Joe, thanks so much for coming on and have a great week. Hey, you too. Thank you guys. See ya.